All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, Judges is where we're going today, specifically Judges chapter 13. And we're going to be in 14, 15, and 16 um, as well. We're going to jump around different spots in there. Um, this is our last week of our Empowered series. And in this series, we've been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Um, now, I told you in week number one that in a lot of churches, a lot of churches don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, they, they, just, they, they just don't. We'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about God and Jesus, the Father and the Son, but really, really not a whole lot about the third part of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. They kind of treat him like crazy Uncle Eddie, who only shows up at like Christmas and Easter. You never know what he's going to do. You never know what he's going to say. And so your only hope is that he's sober when he's there and because, because he does weird things. And, 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 and listen, as you dig in to the scriptures, as you really begin to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, you see he doesn't make people do weird things. In fact, he absolutely empowers us. He gives us the power to actually walk through life. Jesus said something about the Holy Spirit that, that for years I kind of, I think I, I, I kind of taught it a little bit wrong. Like I, I used to say um, that the Great Commission was the last thing that Jesus ever said on earth before he went to heaven. Um, if you've been in church, you've probably been told that too. But that's not entirely true. It's the next to last thing that he said. Um, the Great Commission, go out into all the nations, teaching all of these things, baptizing, um, all of that. It's, it's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, there's actually a Great Commission. There's that go out into all of the nations, teaching and baptizing and, and, and at the end of every single gospel, Matthew 28, Mark 15, Luke 24, John 20, um, every one of them has one. But after the one in, in Luke, in Luke 24, verse 48, he shares this great commission, go out. Because, because you know, we're, the lost aren't commanded to come to church. You understand that the church is commanded to go to the lost, right? Like that's what Jesus commanded us to do. We're not just this giant aquarium that everybody gets to look into and say, oh, that's really nice and pretty. No, we're, we're supposed to go out into the world. And, and he tells them that. But after he tells them that, he says this, and this is super cool. He says, and I will send the Holy Spirit as my father promised. Now, now, now the best teaching on the Holy Spirit, I know we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. The best teaching on the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself teaching in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Um, actually, when I was putting this series together, I thought my main texts were going to be John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Um, I thought that's what I was going to teach through. God obviously took me in a different direction because he just wanted us, I guess, as a church to hear something different. If you want to read through those, I encourage you to read through those. Um, Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit himself is phenomenal. And so he said this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but power from heaven, I want that. Anybody else? Like there's a place to go today to sign up at church for power from heaven. I'm taking that. Like imagine what it would be like if you could walk into work tomorrow with power from heaven. Like, wouldn't that change the way that you worked, worked, went into work, knowing you have power from heaven? 
Well, here's the good news. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And he lives inside of you from the moment of salvation. Ephesians says, at the moment of salvation, sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit comes into your life at the moment of salvation. And because of that, you can walk in power from heaven. We have that. We have power from heaven. He empowers us to walk through life. Now, I'm going to show you this through a non-traditional Holy Spirit type passage. I, I showed you this. If you've been part of the series, week number one, I showed you part of this story. Um, I didn't know that I was going to finish it. I didn't know I was going to continue on. Um, but but it's, it's just the way that it worked out. Now, in the Old Testament, I told you that a Holy, the Holy Spirit can come into a person's life and the Holy Spirit can leave a person's life. Could come into a person's life and could leave a person's life. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's here to stay. Again, sealed. Sealed until the day of redemption. That's until Jesus comes back again. And so the Holy Spirit, this is important to know, is always with you. He never leaves you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. And he always empowers us. All right, so week number one, I told you about Samson. You guys remember Samson? Um, if you're from a church background at all, you know a little bit about Samson. Samson, the guy who had long hair, went to the satanic salon, got the haircut from hell, got his eyes gouged out, um, died killing some people. That's basically all we know. His story is, is fascinating, though. And so it starts in Judges chapter 13. His mom and dad are kind of old, and they can't have babies. And so an angel shows up and tells his mom and dad, hey, you're going to have a son. And they're like, no, we're not going to have a son. Like, we, we, we're not even like, uh-uh, we're old. Like, we're not going to have a baby. She's past the childbearing. And then the angel's like, listen, look at me. I'm an angel, and I'm telling you, you're going to have a baby. And they're like, okay, cool. And as the angel's kind of walking out, um, this is kind of how I envision it, he looks back over his shoulder, and he's like, hey, by the way, don't cut the boy's hair. And so he grows up, and... And I don't know, he goes through like the mullet stage or, or whatever, which is probably kind of cool. Um, but this is where the Bible talks about Samson getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It says this in, in verse 25. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Manahah Dan, which is located be- between Zorha and Eshtahol. And, and, and I don't really, those places don't have significance to us. But what does have significance to us is that line right there, that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now, all of us understand stirring. We understand emotional stirring. We've all been emotionally stirred. We've been stirred by watching a movie, emotionally stirred. I told you last week about the end of Old Yeller. Man, that old boy killed a dog, like, whoo, man, just like waterworks, right? We've been emotionally stirred by songs. Like, there are things that stir us emotionally, yes or no? Like, like a baby being born. A baby being born, that's emotionally stirring, yes or no? Yeah, But there's something that happens inside of us when the Holy Spirit stirs us. And I I don't know about you, but for me, it always leads to something good. Like if I follow through with what the Holy Spirit is stirring in me, it leads to something good. Now I'm going to confess, I haven't always followed through. Like I have felt, so have you. You have felt the Holy Spirit stirring inside of you. Do this, don't do that. Go here, don't go there. Like you have felt that and you have resisted, yes or no? Everybody say yes. Yes, we have all all felt that. But there's something that happens when we follow through that's good. So what do you do? What, what do you do? How do you get stirred by the Holy Spirit? Like how do you, how does how does the Holy Spirit stir your heart? 
Well, it depends on how you connect with God. I tell you this all the time, and so I'll quickly go through some ways. For me, I get stirred by the Spirit when I read the Bible. I, I do, man. I love, love, love reading the Bible. If you took the Bible away from me, I'd probably die. Like, I just, that's that like my favorite thing to read. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads me or stirs me through, like, worship music. Sometimes. I don't always listen to worship music. I get emotionally stirred by other songs, like that song, Butterfly Kisses. If you're a dad of a little girl, you hate that song, right? Can't stand it. But I get, but I get stirred, right? Sometimes with worship music. I'll, I'll tell you what, and this sounds cheesy, and you're gonna think I need to say this because I'm the paid salesman of this place, um, but that's not true. Like, I get stirred when I come to this church. Like, I, I do. I get stirred here. I get stirred when we get together. I get stirred when we serve together. Yesterday, man, that was spiritually stirring for me. When we get together, when we worship, like, like this church, like the spirit just begins to stir inside of me. How does the Holy Spirit stir your heart? Because when he stirs us, he begins to allow us to see things that we wouldn't normally see. You know what else happens? Oftentimes, he'll break our hearts. When he stirs us, he'll break our hearts. Because don't miss this, our burden and our calling usually go hand in hand. And he'll break our hearts over things as he begins to stir inside of us. And so Samson begins to experience this stirring. He's like, I, I don't know what God's doing, but God is up to something. Because like, you know this, right? He'll stir you, but he won't give you all the information which I don't like. I would like to have everything at one time. But God doesn't run the universe according to what Ryan thinks. Um, he's better than me at, at it. So bothers me still. But he begins to stir. Now, in Judges chapter 14, he decides to get married, which is a great thing, except he's about to marry a Philistine woman. Philistine women were not good women. They were pagan women. You weren't supposed to go near Philistine women. They were bad. They'd get your little boy out smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. All right? It was, it was bad. They were bad, bad, bad women. Supposed to stay away. But Samson's going to marry one. And so he's on his way to his wedding. And, and this weird thing happened to him. And we looked at it in verse 1. Or I mean in week 1. As a matter of fact, if you ever think you've had a bad day, maybe you had a bad day this week. Um, maybe your bad day was your check engine light came on or you got a flat tire. I don't know. But none of you had a bad day like this. This is Samson's bad day. Chapter 14, verse 5. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, remember he's on his way to his wedding, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Bad day, yes or no? Yes, bad, because when a lion attacks, when a lion attacks you, like I've been attacked by a dog. Anybody else been attacked by a dog? I've been attacked by a cat. Anybody ever been attacked by a cat? I know some of you are like, serves you right, getting attacked by a cat. I got attacked by a squirrel one time. None of the message for another time. That was a, that was a bad day. But but I've never been attacked by a lion, right? Anybody in here ever been attacked by a lion? No. You know how I know you haven't? Because you have your arms and legs, right? When you get attacked by a lion, it's over. Yes or no? Yeah. Here's what's amazing. Because some of you are sitting there, you're thinking, "All right, great, Ryan. That's that's awesome, man." Talking about the lion again. What does that have to do with me? I'm not going to get attacked by a lion today. I'm going to go, I'm going to leave here, I'm going to go to Subway, I'm going to walk in, lion ain't going to be there. I'm going to get my sub, I'm going to walk back out into the parking lot, lion ain't going to attack me. Like, a lion is not here to attack me. He might. He might. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Would you agree, yes or no? Say yes. 
Yes, it is. And the Bible says this. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a what? Roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. And you know how he does that? It starts with temptation. Do you know the enemy knows exactly what to tempt you with? Like he knows exactly how to come after you. I mean, there are some things he can hit me with. <laughs> I'm not interested. Like there's some things like, I just don't care. Like I'm over that. <sighs> Overcame that. Don't need that. Like th there are some things he can tempt me with. I just don't even care. But there are other things that I'm like, ooh, sweet. I can eat just one cookie. I mean, it's just one cookie. One cookie ain't never hurt anybody. And before I know it, I've ate the whole box. It's happened many times. Here's the thing, though. As the devil knows how to tempt us, he, he, comes, he comes after Samson. And, 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 and there are people in this room, like, you understand this because you feel overwhelmed by the temptation that comes your way every day. There are people here that, listen, I know what it feels like. The temptation is coming against you. You feel like you're being drowned by it and, and, and you want to quit, but you can't. You can't. I, I know how that feels. But that's why the Spirit of God inside of us is so absolutely powerful. Because this next verse, watch this, verse 6. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he prayed for the lion. Dear God, thank you so much. Give me the strength to get past this great affliction you put before me as the lion eats me. Didn't do that, did he? He didn't do a Bible study on lion attacks. When the Spirit of, the, of, the, of God came upon Samson, what did he do? Rip the lion's jaws apart. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking alongside somebody? Hey, man, how you doing? Good. What's going on? I don't know. Just on my way down to my wedding. A lion jumps on him. Get off me! Cool, dude. Can you and I be friends for like the rest of forever? Like, I don't want you messing with me. And, and, and think about this. Think, think about this. This is, I should have said this earlier. I said this in the last service. When you think of Samson, like what, what's one of the huge things you think about Samson? The Samson's what? Not his hair, but his what? His strength, right? And so when we picture Samson, th think about this. Follow along this logic, all right? When we see Samson in the kids' Bibles or in the stories, he's always big and he's always jacked and he's always all ripped up. I don't believe he looked like that. I believe he looked more like Stan, small and skinny. <laughs> Sorry. I believe he was small and skinny. Because think about it. They asked him all the time. They asked Delilah, go ask him, where does his strength come from? Right? Where does his strength come from? That, that's what they wanted to know. Where does his strength come from? Where does his strength come from? Where does his strength... If he was great, big, huge, jacked, and ripped, and you looked at him, you would know where his strength comes from. Yes or no? Yeah. And so I don't believe he was this great, big, huge, muscular guy. Now, he might have been. Right? Maybe. I don't know. But, but I don't believe that. I don't see that because of everybody asking him where his strength came from. And so think about this. He ripped the lion, the lion's jaws apart because he was strong? Uh-uh. Because the Spirit of God inside of him was strong. And if Samson can do that when the lion attacked him, then you and I, 
through the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, can overcome any temptation the enemy throws our way. None of us in this room are victim to the temptation the enemy throws. We have the power of the Holy Spirit not just to resist, but to rip it apart. We can overcome temptation. We can resist temptation. Not because we're strong, but because the Spirit is. It's power from heaven. Isn't that good enough? Yeah. For some people... For other people, you'd rather be a victim because it's easy, right? I mean, it's easy to be a victim. It's just the way I am. It's the way I'm born. It's just the way I am. It, it doesn't have to be the way you are. It doesn't. In Christ, that's not who you are, and it's not how you have to be. Well, Samson gets married. Back in that day when they got married, um, weddings lasted for a week, which is a long time. It's a bit much, but that, they did things different. And so Samson gets married, and oftentimes at the wedding, they would play games. And so Samson decides he's going to play a game. And you think, that's not going to go bad. They're playing a game. Everything's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. It goes way bad. Watch this. Verse 12. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. That's a big deal back then. That's that's worth a lot of money. But if you can't solve it, you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Let me say this real quick. Be careful about the agreements you make with the enemy. Be careful about the agreements you make with the enemy. There are people here today. You are in bondage because of an agreement you made with the enemy. Now listen, I'm not talking about you went into a room and you did an Ouija board and you sold your soul to the devil and all that weird stuff like that. I'm talking about you agreed with his definition of who you are. You agreed that you're helpless. You agreed there's no hope for you. You agreed you could never have peace. You agreed you could never have joy. You agreed you could never overcome addiction. You agreed other people could get blessed, but you could never get blessed. You agreed with the enemy, and don't you dare make agreements with the enemy. Samson makes an agreement with the enemy, and it goes so, so, so bad for him, just like it does for every single one of us. Now, if you're married, and you're experiencing relationship problems... This next section I'm about to read, don't make eye contact with each other. As a matter of fact, men, put your pens down. Don't write down any of these verses. Don't highlight them on your phone. Don't, like, this, this is crazy, right? This next section, Jerry Springer. It is. For people who think that, like, people tell me all the time, the Bible is so boring. It is not boring. You had just never read it. Or you don't read it the way I read it, I guess. I don't know. But it's not boring. You can't make this stuff up. Verse 14. So he said... This is his riddle. So he said, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. It's like Dr. Seuss right here. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. Now, we know what he's alluding to because of what happened. But the enemy can't figure it out. For three days, they're like getting together and they can't figure it out. So watch what the enemy does. This is huge. Don't miss this. The enemy doesn't go to Samson. Watch what happens. Verse um, verse 15. On the fourth day, so three days they're trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, where does the enemy go? Samson's wife. See, if the enemy can't get to you, they'll go to your spouse. If the don't miss that. 
If the enemy can't get to you, they'll come after the person closest to you. The enemy will go after the person that you love. And the goal is to divide spiritually. I'm not making this stuff up, man. I know this stuff from personal experience. The goal is to divide spiritually because if he can divide us spiritually, everything else falls into place for him. If he can't get to you, he will go to the one you love the most. So the enemy comes after Samson's wife. They put a little pressure on her. Watch what they say. Entice your husband. Which, I mean, they're on like day four of a wedding celebration. Shouldn't be too hard, right? Entice your husband. Entice your husband and explain the riddle. Now, at first you're like, that's an easy no. Why doesn't she just say no? No, he's my husband. He, he rescued me from you guys. Like, he, he's going to provide for me. He's my husband. Why wouldn't you just say no? Great question. Or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Oh, okay. Did you invite us to this party to make us poor? See, the enemy always uses manipulation, accusation, and threats. Manipulation, accusation, and threats. And and I'm talking to, listen, somebody here, like you know who you are. I'm not talking at you. I am one of you. Where the enemy will come after you and he will make threats. He will use manipulation and accusation. And he usually does it at night. When you're trying to go to sleep and he starts creating scenarios in your mind that'll never, ever, ever, ever happen. But you freak yourself out, convincing yourself this is what's going to happen. You go there. Trust me. I know this. I know a whole lot about this. Manipulation, accusation and threats. It gets worse. Verse 16. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. Is this manipulation? In every service, man, every guy in here wants to scream yes, but you're terrified too. Manipulation. Manip- extreme over... I'm not picking on the women. All right, I- I'm saying this could be on either side. Manipulation could go either way. And the enemy is trying to manipulate us at all times. And he's definitely using this woman to manipulate Samson. She's crying, you don't love me. You hate me. And then she says this, you have given my people a riddle. That- that- that's a problem. That's a problem. Do you see the problem there? Do you see the problem? The problem is, she says, you have given my people. They're not her people anymore. They're not her people. Samson was her person, but she identified more with her people than she did her person. And anytime you start identifying more with your people and not your person, the relationship is not going to make it. Listen, if you and your person are not on the same page, it's not going to work. This isn't a relationship message, but it's in the text. And so I just want to throw it out there. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer, which is problematic, right? Because there shouldn't be any secrets in marriage ever. No secrets in a relationship. Then he says this. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother. He replied, why should I tell you? Is this relationship going to make it? No, it doesn't even make it out of the chapter. So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. Cried. Whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. Don't miss this. The enemy is persistent. The enemy is persistent. The enemy will use whatever the enemy has to use to manipulate you, to distract you. Was this distracting for Samson, yes or no? Yes. Could he celebrate, yes or no? No. You can't celebrate when the woman you just married is following you around, crying all the time, saying, you hate me, you don't love me. He's trying to celebrate. Listen, you know what he does not have? He does not have peace. He doesn't have peace because the enemy had stolen it from him. You know what else he doesn't have? He didn't have joy. 
because the enemy has stolen it from him. He doesn't have hope because the enemy has stolen it from him. My gosh, at this point, he probably doesn't even have his mental health because the enemy has stolen it from him. And the reason I point this out is because there are people in this room, you let the enemy steal from you. You let the enemy steal your hope. You let the enemy steal your peace. You let the enemy steal your joy. You've let the enemy steal your mental health. And the reason I know the enemy has stolen from you is because I know what it's like to have those things stolen from me, and I let the enemy do it every single time. Every time I let him do it. It's happening right here in this text. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Man, if you're looking for a verse to send your wife tomorrow, that ain't it. Text me, I'll send you some better one. Like that ain't the one, right? Even if it's true, some things should never be said, Right? Then she explained, explained the riddle to the young men. So, so as soon as he shared his secret with her, she shared it with the enemy. See how if you can't trust, if you can't trust each other, again, this isn't a relationship message. We'll do those in February. But, but, but it's just there, right? It's in the text, so i got to share it. Now watch this, verse 18. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? In other words, they stole, they stole from Samson. They stole his relationship. They stole the answer. Stole his hope. Stole his peace. Stole his joy. Now, 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 men, again, it's one of those verses. If, if you're ever angry at your wife or about your wife, I can't tell you what to say to her in that moment. I, I, I can't. I can tell you what not to say, and it's what Samson said. All right? Watch this. Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, that ain't going to work. No man in this room is going to be able to look at your wife today and say, Hey, heifer. Hey, heifer, come here, baby. Like, don't, don't do it. And then, if you do, please YouTube it. Please. So we can use it in February in our relationship series. So in his mind, like in his mind, this relationship is over, right? I mean, it's over. If you haven't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And then watch what happens next. This is insane because this is where the spirit gets involved. Watch this. Watch what he does. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and they went to counseling. No, they're not a counselor in the world that could help them at this point. But watch what happens when the spirit comes upon Samson. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, which is the town of the enemy. The Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines were occupying Israel. The Philistines were oppressing Israel. So Samson literally walked into the middle of the enemy's camp, into the middle of their camp. Again, not because he was strong, but because of the Spirit of the living God inside of him was strong. And look what he does. Killed 30 men took their belongings and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. The enemy tried to steal from Samson, tried to steal from him. But don't miss this. Instead of letting the enemy steal from him, he walked into the enemy's camp and took back what the enemy tried to take from him. The reason I bring that up is just like Samson took back what the enemy tried to steal from him, you and I, 
us, by the power of the Spirit of God living inside of us, have the authority, the ability to walk into the enemy's camp and say, you took my joy, but I'm here to take it back. You took my peace, I'm here to take it back. You took my hope, I'm here to take it back. You took my mental health, I'm here to take it back. You stole from me, but you can't keep what you took from me because of the Spirit of God living inside of me. So what you took from me, I'm here to take it back. You are not a victim unless you choose to be one. You could walk into the enemy's camp and Take back what he stole from you. Took back what he stole from me. Woo! That's good stuff, right? Okay, stop. I don't even want you to do it in that service. <laughs> Miss. Listen, he decides, he, he took this back, and then he decides, like, I love this girl after all, so I'm going to go back. Go back, get her. And her dad's like, well, you know, you went and lived in your parents' basement playing PlayStation, writing mean blogs, whatever. So I married her off somebody else. And it gets crazy because this is misunderstanding. The Philistines come in and they kill the woman, the Samson Mary. I mean, it's, this is a fascinating story. And so he's mad. And so in order to get back at the Philistines, the Bible says he went out and he caught 300 foxes, which is a huge feat. Like, like, listen, if there's a story I want to play out in the Bible, it could be this one right here. Now, I don't know where I can get 300 foxes, but I imagine I could round up 300 cats. And he tied their tails together, which is, can you imagine this? Can, can you imagine, like, doing this? And not only did he do that, but then he put a torch and lit a torch in the middle of all of their tails, and he let them loose in the fields, the barley fields, and it burned them all up, which ticked off the enemy, rightly so, right? And so the Philistines, the Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the what? So the enemy comes after Samson. Now, they occupied Israel. And, and don't miss this because this is huge. Israel was a religious nation. They tried their best to follow the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They were religious. Very, 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 very religious. They were the children of God, the promised children of God. But they were occupied and oppressed by an enemy who, listen, listen, this is huge. An enemy they allowed to have power over them. Now watch what happens, because this is fascinating. The enemy's mad at Samson. They're getting ready to invade all of Israel. And Israel's like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's, what's happening? And they're like, we will kill all of you to get to Samson. And they're like, you just want Samson? They're like, yeah. And they're like, cool, we can handle that. And so watch this. Chapter 15, verse 11. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etham. 3,000 men of Judah. 3,000 men of Judah. Doesn't say 3,000 men of the Philistines. The Philistines are the what? So that would make sense, right? It says 3,000 men of Judah. Three, don't miss this, 3,000 of his own people. 3,000 of his own people. How does it feel when your own people turn their back on you? How does that feel? Lonely, right? 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etham. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? That's a problem. That's a problem. When the children of God start to say that they're ruled over by someone other than God, that's a problem, yes or no? Yeah. Don't you realize the Philistine, if you're, if you're on the outside looking in, you're going, no! You're the children of God. He promised you this land. The only reason you're not occupying it is because you allowed the enemy to come in and establish a stronghold. 
Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. Which is like, I don't think the spirit's in him at this point. This is like kindergartner Samson. I only did to them what they did to me. Anyway. The men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Now, hold, hold on, hold on. They're the men of Judah. The men of Judah were religious people, yes or no? Y- yes. So the religious people came to tie up the lonely person. See, that's what religion does. Religion will tell us, you're, you're lonely because it's your fault. You're lonely. You did this to yourself. You know what? It might be true, but it doesn't help the situation, right? So Samson literally had the ropes of religion placed on him. And here's the dangerous thing about the ropes of religion. The only reason you get bound by the ropes of religion is ultimately to get handed over to the enemy. You know the reason a lot of people quit church? You you can't keep all the rules. What music can I listen to? You can only listen to songs about Jesus. Well, I guess I can't ever listen to the hymn Amazing Grace because it never mentions the name of Jesus one time in any verse. Some of you didn't know that. Right now you're trying to think. You're trying to, it doesn't. It doesn't you don't play Christian music in a church. Don't, stop. What movies can I go to? Well, you can't go to any R-rated movies. Well, what about that one called The Passion of the Christ? That's rated R. Oh, it's, it's about Jesus. It's cool. You can go to that. It, rules are confusing. Every once in a while, you'll meet someone who's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And they'll tell you what you should do. Well, you know, the Bible says to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You know what? You got me again. (laughs) Cool. It does. Matthew chapter 5 says that. What people who say that don't realize is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is referring to the Ten Commandments. And Jesus, what he's saying is, you can't be perfect. You can't follow all the rules. Listen, the Ten Commandments are not a ladder we have to climb. They're a wall we crash into because none of us can be perfect. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and gave us the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of us to guide us through life. So even when we're imperfect and we fall on our face, the Holy Spirit empowers us to get back up. But the reason people quit it's because we're bound by the ropes of religion. And the ropes of religion always put you in the enemy's hand. They never put you in the hands of Jesus, ever. All right, Samson said, but promise me that you won't kill me yourselves. We'll only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Is this situation going to go bad for Samson? Absolutely. There's no way this turns out good. No way. Watch this. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. This is the dumbest thing in the world. Had they done anything, yes or no? No, but they're like, woohoo, we won! Kind of like a Nebraska fan. Big Ten, yeah! Anyway. You all are just happy I didn't say Iowa. So the enemy, the enemy is shouting in triumph. In other words, the enemy is always going to try to shout out you. Shout out you over you, try to intimidate you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. This is a form of intimidation. They haven't done anything. The enemy hasn't done anything at all. They're like, yeah, we've won. The enemy is is always telling people, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do this to you. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we get so focused on the voice of the enemy, we can't hear the voice of God. But watch this. I love this. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson because he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arm. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God allows us to snap the ropes of religion. It really does. He snapped. They thought he was bound, and and he was. 
until the Spirit of God got involved. The Spirit got involved, and the rope just snapped, snapped the ropes. Snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, killed a thousand Philistines with it. The jawbone of a recently killed donkey. I don't know where you find one of those, but I'm going to tell you what. The middle school boy in me so wanted to use the King James version of this story right here, this verse. Because in the King James version, it doesn't use the word donkey. It uses a different word that I'm not going to say right now. And I started thinking, I started thinking, he, he broke the ropes. And he looked around and he said, what do I have? What do I have? Oh, I got the jawbone. And he picked it up and he won the battle. He picked it up and he won. He, he, he didn't say, I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. I don't have a spear. I'm going to die. Uh-uh. He like, what I got? I got the jawbone of a donkey. This is a literal butt whooping right here. That's what this is. You fill in that blank with whatever else you want to fill it in with. And I started thinking, you know what? If he could whip the enemy with what he had right there, we can whip Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can whip Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, look, my thing is, instead of asking what you don't have, look around and ask yourself, what do you have? I got a friendship. I got a Bible. I got a church. I got some hope. I got a song. I got, I got, but what, what is it that God has put in your hands? Because I promise you, I promise you, he has put something in your hands that you can use to see victory in your lives. I, I lo- I'll close with this. I love what the apostle Paul says about the Holy Spirit of God. It's one of those verses that just keeps coming to life over and over and over for me. He said this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. He said, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. Freedom. That's huge. That means there's freedom from loneliness. There's freedom from hopelessness. There's freedom from having no joy. There's freedom from having no peace. There's freedom from being bound by addiction. There is freedom from thinking things will never get better. Maybe you could never accomplish breaking out of the mold on your own. But just like Samson, because of the power of the spirit of the living God, listen to me, nothing is impossible. Because of the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible because he empowers us.